Oh yeah, this shit is so fun. It looks fucking horrible. It's awful, but it's so fun. If this doesn't get you ramped up for a podcast, huh? Woo! Hey there! Welcome to Motorcycles and Misfits. Coming to you from the Recycle Garage. Where do you say? In sunny Santa Cruz, California. Whoop whoop. Is that too oh. much? Now I, I think that was perfectly. <laughs> I like, I got to do the, the, anyway. You know, restraint has always been one of your strongest suits. I know. She could teach a master's class in you. patience. Yeah. She could teach a master's class in baiting. <laughs> that's Scott's job. I don't know. There's that chapter in the book, but that's another story. <laughs> okay. Hey, everyone. This is Liza. Hey, I'm happy to be here. What another, another great weekend. It was. And this is the weekend before all the next great weekends coming. So true. we got a whole Very month true. coming up. Oh my gosh, yeah, they're just I one know. after another. Um, so filling in. So, so you remember Stumpy John used to be our stunt misfit, and then he became a real misfit? <laughs> He's now back. we got we're back we got some stunt misfits. He's back to stunting. Yeah, he's stunting. Because <laughs> now he's he's not feeling well. He's got a cough. So I'm like, just stay away. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But he, he's okay. He's um, got that Pakistani coviteria. We don't know. Well, you I know ch- what does happen when you do come back from places like Pakistan? You are sneezing black goo for about two yeah. we two three weeks. Mm. That's just because of uh, riding behind trucks the dirt, and the diesel the and exhaust fumes uh, and stuff. Okay. So it does take a while to get that out of your system. But however, I have a new nickname for John. No. <laughs> yes. No. CTD. What's that? Crash test dummy. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear any of the details. That's why yeah, I was hoping I know, John would I mean, be here tonight. I want to cra- hear that. He crashed into a bloke. I mean, oh God. <laughs> and we will, we will get all of those stories. Yeah, yes. I saw Next the week. picture with the mountain. But Beautiful. let's start with who's here? A stunt misfit filling in. It's Patrick. Hello there, Patrick your, on the horn. <laughs> second time, third time, I third think. time. Yeah, mm-hmm. You're, you are official stunt misfit status. Yeah, right. so thank you for joining. He's the lead off, the lead off misfit. <laughs> exactly on the classy girl couch tonight, looking all so sultry eyes and stuff. It's Miss Emma. Aloha, darlings. And um, today I decided to ride Rufus, mm-hmm. so I'm wearing my Suzuki shirt because one has mm-hmm. to represent, doesn't one? Now tell everyone what you said today. Because I'm calling you out. On what? What? On what? Dividing the garage. <laughs> if you're not with us, you're against us. What well, did no. you do? What did you do? Oh, it sounds do, like we're going to rumble. What yeah, did no, you we, do? So it was, a, it was a simple tactic that I wanted to employ to see if it worked. And it worked like a charm. So I, I picked a group of people who I know would be sympathetic. And I said... Who amongst this group thinks that Rufus is just the most drop-dead gorgeous motorcycle? And, of course, three hands out of the four went up. Patrick was slow. Oh, but I... I see, was I, was, I was at the start. When she pulled no. up, I was like, oh, my God, that bike so is fantastic. So I knew he was sympathetic. <laughs> so then... But I didn't Liza, know who Rufus Liza, Liza, of course, was... And I, not necessarily against... But just contrarian, I, maybe. I, no, I don't vacillate, think it's, No, vacillating. I don't okay. think it's the best looking motorcycle <gasps> in the world, but I'm Blasphemy. somewhat indifferent to it. But indifferent. So I turned so to she, Liza says, and I says said, the KLR she turned. Owner. She turned. <laughs> I turned hey, and I'm I a said, KLR owner. so now, now you, are, you are a Rufus hater, are you not? 
A reefer. She, she said, three to one, you lose. I'm like, wait. I no, no, you use the term lose. Did you get to hit her with a stick after we got to hit her with sticks? I'm just saying. No, I was just kind of employing a technique to see if it worked, and it kind of did. It was. It's really quite troubling. She's mm. just being divisive. Taking mm. a cue. Mm. I can be. I can be. I can be divisive occasionally, but I'm really very sweet in other ways. <laughs> like that taco uh-huh. when it, you just had. When it had. serves your need, <laughs> or when you're helping me with my Africa twin. So thank you for that. Oh no, uh, you're very welcome, darling. Also on the classy girl couch, it's Scott. Long time since I've been down here. Yeah. Came down on the coast today on a Harley. Yeah. It's good. Nice. And then joining us straight from the day in the dirt. Day in the dirt. Naked Jill. Hey, nice to be here. Dirt bikes are cool. Yeah, they are. If you don't ride them, you may want to check them out. I I love your dirt bike. I hate the seat, though. I just don't know. Like, do you just build up like the pucker? Yeah, I've been doing Kegels for quite a while now. Yeah, focused Kegels. (laughs) So called Kegels. I'm I'm actually going to apologize to everybody listening right now, and actually it's Jim's fault. So Jim has brought in this delicious candy. <laughs> I'm chewing one right that now. That is, um, it's like gummy. It's a gummy candy and very gummy. sweet. Gummy. But it's made in the shape of Mexican food. Like a Mexican. So right now I'm I've got to open this little cellophane packet. Well, mine over here is tacos and pizza. So it's yeah, not no, just mine. Mexican oh, food. you've got pizza. Yeah. Well, and no, this this is actually a multi-piece. Um, taco. My favorite. Yo, know, it is multi-piece taco, and they have the Mexican corn. Oh, go- Ooh, um, I'm sorry I, to to break in, but oh, I, actually, sorry, I, I have breaking news. Can someone yes. give me the breaking news sound effect? Uh, breaking news. I just got notification from our good friend Morgan Vetter, who has mm. been down at Laguna Seca. Mm. Uh, there were actually races this weekend in that preparation for the upcoming races. Oh. And he said, Yuri podium today. So he yeah. wanted me to make sure you knew that. Right on. Yeah. What did he podium in? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. But every time he wins, Fast he bikes. sends me pictures of his award. So, so Yuri, congratulations. Yes. Yuri, he said, yeah, well done, Yuri. He just wanted to make sure I knew. Well, I, I would like to know when Yuri Oh, God. Especially at Laguna oh Seca, his home track. How exciting. I, I, I think the corn gummy is flavored like real corn. Oh, God. <laughs> and does it have like that Mexican cheese on it? And the little yes. Bit? Would you, oh, would you say shit. that was a mistake eating that? Yes, I think it was a huge mistake. <laughs> like Which is a theme of a show. You're, you're not going to stop, though. <laughs> That's the best look part. That. Look at that worked out. Uh, the theme of oh, today's show. Oh, God. I'm going to be sick. Oh, there's a fucking <laughs> chili pepper in here, too. Here. Oh, I'm not touching that. Here's a bag. I'm going to slip it in your... Uh, <laughs> the theme kudu, 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 kudu. of today's show is mistakes and lessons learned. Yes. So I was... Uh, and this came... I, I got this idea last night. I was driving right. up, up, up Highway 9 to Felton uh, to go to dinner with my family. I'm driving my SUV. Um, Highway 9 is a two-lane, um, double yellow line. Right. Twisty fun. Twisties through the redwoods. Uh, but it's, and people can, do like 35 miles an hour. Um, but it can be a relatively fast road if you allow it, can't it? Right. But, you can, you but can I think the speed limit is like 35, maybe. Yeah. Right? Maybe 40. It depends on cars. So, like um, just doing, taking my time going up there, and I was behind another car, uh, which my mom keeps telling me I, I drive too close, but... I'm like, we're doing 35 and I'm like three car lengths away. I think that's like, I'm not feeling like I'm on their ass, you know? Well, I've also never known you to admit being a poor driver. So that's true. We will assume so, you were correct. Um, <laughs> Based on her own assumptions. So I heard a couple motorcycles come up behind me. Mm. 
And as somebody myself who has ridden up there on fast bikes, um, I was like, oh, I hope they don't try and pass. There are very few sections that have a long enough straightaway that you can safely pass. And some right. of them go past a parking lot, which makes it not safe. Yeah. Right. So it's it's a no-go. Usually, once you get behind a car, you're stuck. Yeah, you just look at the scenery. It's beautiful. Right. So, and I heard that familiar sound of one of the bikes start to spool up. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, no. And we're on a short straightaway. So he comes up passing me, and these were, I think these were two like ninjas, maybe. And he had, you know, the backpack passenger hanging on. Oh, gosh. And cuts in front of me and just cuts right in front of me and gets in between me and the car in front. I don't think, I don't know if they realized there was a car in front of me. So I'm like, idiot, because now we're coming up to a turn. You know that that turn that has the outlook on the right? Yes. And it's a pretty sharp left turn, right? Yeah. And, and sure enough, his fellow companion starts, as I'm entering the turn, starts to pass. And I'm like, no, like, no, yeah. don't do this. And comes up alongside me. We're now in the turn. His buddy now has not vacated that spot. So there's nowhere for him to go. And now he's alongside me through the turn. And I was honking my horn and screaming, you're an idiot. I thought you would reach your hand out and turn his bike off and take. You know the keys. what? It was really disappointing. No, it's my bummer. mom is freaking out. The driver in front just pulled over into the first like, and was like, "I like, don't I'm want. Out. Yeah. I'm out. I don't want nothing to. That was a bad move. They saw they were being nuts. Uh, I wanted to keep following them to their destination and have a conversation, but we had to go to dinner. We had a reservation. Mm-hmm. Okay, but it reminded me, like you know, that could have been the biggest mistake of their life. Well, it. And it could be the last mistake of their lives. And I was so mad. And then I, I remembered, I've done that. <laughs> well, and you know, yeah. Well, it's motorcycling. I, I, you know, I commute every day and there's weird stuff happens every day. But I almost, one of the, the most dangerous things that's happened lately, I wasn't lane splitting. I was going by the reservoir on 17. Traffic's going maybe 50. I'm going with traffic, but I'm kind of in the middle, you know, so I can see down the middle. And it started slowing, so... I'm like, all right, I'm going to kind of get into the middle and start lane splitting, probably doing about 40. And turn my, always use my turn signal, just in the habit. And I'm also always in the habit, just glance over. So as I turn signal, start glancing over, this fucking fucktard on a Harley comes blowing by me, probably doing like 75, right? Like a foot away. So if I had not maybe used my turn signal or not glanced for a second, I probably would have moved into the center lane to start lane splitting and he would have reared me at like 80. But it's like people, like, come on, like, mm. but it's motorcycling. That shit happens. Emma, can you make the sound again? Which one? Breaking news. Hey, breaking news. Bagel has just joined us. Oh, it's the bagel. I see him on the screen. Oh, nice shirt, bagel. I like it. Oh, thank you. It's very stylish. When bagel comes on, you should do the, what's the booby sound? Motorboat. When bagel comes on, you have to do the motorboat sound. That's it. Scott, <laughs> shove, shove your face in, in Emma's breast and start motorboat. No, yeah, do the motorboat. The sound effects. Were you motorboating uh, today, Bagel? Were you, darling? Uh, no, I, I bet you wish you were. No, no, not really. I, I heard the rain, sto- <laughs> the rain stopped and the weather got better. Is that true? Uh, it got hotter. That's for sure. Okay. <clears throat> it was it was 102 degrees on uh, I-5 this afternoon. Whoa. That's hot. Yeah. Mm. Cool. And that's not including the heat coming off the asphalt. <laughs> so, Bagel, we just but, started. But I made it. We just started the topic. So, again, yeah. as he, these 
people made this bad mistake. And I said, well, I've done that. And I thought, you know what? Mm-hmm. It's good to share our mistakes and our lessons learned. There are mistakes made yep. while riding, mistakes yep. made while renting on bikes, mistakes made yep. buying and selling bikes even. Yep. I don't know. Maybe you guys all have different stories. But I, I, I'll share in lieu of that story of somebody going around the curve next to me in a blind corner idiot. Um, I did that once. And I was, at the time I was riding my Ducati 900 SS. Plenty of power in that thing. Mm -hmm. And we were riding up, going up to Alice's and going up, uh, like up through La Honda. Mm -hmm. Where again, similar situation, not a lot of straightaways. But when you know your bike and you know the road, there are certain sections you can jump quickly and pass a car. Even though you're not allowed to, it's a double yellow, acknowledging that. But with, you know, in the bike. So uh, we had been riding and passing. And then uh, I traded bikes with a friend who had the then new BMW F650. Uh, It wasn't the GS. It was the... Just the the F... The Funduro. Right. And I'm like, ooh, this looks like fun. And AKA fun. So then we take off riding. And uh, she's on my bike. And now we're passing cars again. And I go to pass a car. I see my opportunity. Lay on the throttle. I'm starting to pass. I get up alongside the car, and there's nothing left. <laughs> there's absolutely no. Out of there's power. Out of power. And I'm coming <clears throat> up to a turn. So I'm faced with the decision. Do you kind of, you know, do you, you know, back off the throttle and let them pass and try and drop back in? But I have bikes behind me. So I don't know if they're spooling up. You don't know what's going on. So I just decided to hold my line, and we're going into a turn, and here comes a car. Oh! So I just stayed on the line, oh, held Jesus. held my speed, oh. just basically just riding alongside the car, and just split between them. Italian style. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And was just more. like, oh, that was a bonehead move. You know what we call that in England? Yeah. A, a pant-filling moment. Pant-filling uh, yeah. yes. pant-filling moment. Yeah, because when you're in a turn, you're leaning, and that car seems to come pretty close to you. The mirror. And I'm sure yep. I scared everyone else probably more oh, yeah. than me. Well, you scared me listening to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've done it. That was a bad decision. I didn't know the bike well enough to know what it could do. Um, so I just wanted to see what other stories you guys have. Well, can, can I point out the lessons we learned from that I, one? Yeah. If you don't know what your bike can do, mm-hmm. don't try the move. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I've got a story about riding. I mean, it's, it's God, I mean, I've made mistakes riding, buying, wrenching, all of the above. Um, but it goes to the very, ver- back to the really the very early, de- no, don't pull a face like, don't do that, Jim. Oh, God. Now you see, look, it, that's exactly oh, what happened. <laughs> you try and be clever, and it's going to go in somebody's eye. <laughs> now look, so it goes back to the very, very early days of when they were putting disc brakes on bikes. And in the very early days of disc brakes, there was a big sticker on the fork and saying, the the performance of this disc brake is going to be different in the wet. Mm. What they really should say is it's not going to work in the wet. Ooh. And mm. so, of course, you know, you're used to your bike and it, you're, you're thinking, oh, this is great. And then it's pouring down with rain. You think, oh, I've still got to go to the pub. So you jump on your bike 
and you you come to a roundabout or an intersection <laughs> and the brakes wet and you grab the front brake not paying heed to the sticker on the fork and you realize that you actually go faster when you pull on the brake <laughs> and you just <laughs> rocket through the intersection <laughs> bounce off the side of a taxi and like oh fuck <laughs> wasn't expecting that um and you know doing it once is Okay, but doing it multiple times because you forget <laughs> just how bad these brakes were in the wet. Mm. And the same with tyres. You always forget how shitty old tyres were in the wet. Yeah. And so, you know, you stuff into the corner and then immediately <laughs> fall off. And <laughs> you're sitting in the road crying. Ah, my leg hurts, my arm hurts. And your bike's a mangled wreck by the uh, side of the... Because you'd forgotten. You about know? the sticker. Yes, about the yeah. sticker. <laughs> <laughs> and about how terrible the tires were. So, yeah, I mean, there there was a lot. I feel, even though the bikes are faster now, there's a, there's a lot fewer opportunities to make a total arsehole of yourself these yeah, the days. The rubber's a lot better, like you say. Yeah, you know, the, the actual quality of machinery is better now. Um, so, you know, the opportunity to end up looking like a total ass is perhaps less... Perhaps I more. Mean, I don't I think know. It's, I think it's the same. It's just now it's more human error than it is machine error. Yeah, and per- perhaps you're yeah. gonna perhaps you're just gonna make a complete idiot of yourself in a slightly different method. Yeah, yeah. But you're still or, gonna end yeah, up you're, sitting you're, in the middle of the road with a broken bike. You're gonna, blow, <laughs> you're gonna blow a turn like I've blown turns because it's like, oh my god, I came in way too hot, right. and I don't understand how much I can really break or well, lean this thing over. So you just yeah. bomb it through. And and to be fair on you. <clears throat> And you know, I'm I'm saying this from a place oh. of fondness because everybody will say, "Ooh, and the HKLR six fifties." Oh, oh no, wrong. yeah. But KLR six fifties are not; they're kind of awkward. They well, carry their weight they're high, notoriously and they, weak brakes, like feeble forks, thin, and they're kind thin, of yeah, feeble forks, thin wheels. Like yeah, they you, are awkward they, they handling a, bikes. They take a different perspective to ride that bike compared to some other bikes, right? It's having said that, <coughs> now throwing you under the bus, having done some miles oh, on it, oh, you no. should know how crappy the handling and is I, by and now. I, no, and I do. And I, I get on that bike after riding other bikes, and I'm like, oh my god, this bike! I forgot how shitty it was. That bike was out of that bike. That bike was out of commission for two months because I was working on the valves and the clutch and all this other shit. And I got back on it, and I'm like. Oh, I forgot how bad the brakes were on this oh, bike. No. <laughs> like I gotta I gotta think about where I'm gonna stop this bike long before I get to that fucking stopping point. <laughs> yep. The KLR <laughs> is Rudy to football. Rudy. <laughs> Rudy. 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 <laughs> yeah. I don't know what should, that means. Should I know this? The movie Rudy. Should I know this? You're uh, alone, Liza. Yeah. What? I- I don't know what I, you're talking about. I saw that movie I, years ago. So. I vaguely remember it's, the movie, but I don't understand is the it, reference. Is it, it's, it's trying really hard, but it's not great at what it, it does. Ah, is okay. it like the water boy? It, um, no. So it's about what – is the subject matter about what you <clears throat> Americans call football? Yes, American football. Too, yeah. And this was Notre Dame football team. And this guy was too small to make the team, but he never gave up. So he was on the practice team, and he took a beating, but he never gave up, never gave up, never gave up. And then, then they finally let him play because he had so much heart. And that's yeah. what I think the KLR is like. It just never gives up. I thought you were going to say let him play after the shower scene. So, Scott, I'm just curious. Uh, 
because you are, are a, well, now it's not MSF, but you're a, an CMSP, instructor. CMSP, yeah. An yeah. instructor. Uh, you probably see a lot of mistakes um, on the, where do you guys work, do this in a parking lot? Where do you do it? On a, it's it's parking lots. So yeah, you probably off-road. see a lot of beginners make mistakes. What's mm-hmm. some of the mistakes you've seen? I, I'm thinking back to Father's Day weekend riding with Reed and Ben, and I didn't mention this earlier, but uh, Reed, <laughs> I'm going to call you out. Um, <laughs> went off the off the road off one Ooh. on the 615 Ninja and just landed in some soft like eucalyptus duff. Right, nothing was broken, Ooh. rider mm-hmm. nor bike. But you know, I see him like going wide on the turn. And it's it's the same thing with beginners on the range. Um, not looking where you're going to go or not looking far enough ahead. And like your story about um, on the, the Funduro, um, we know what's around the corner. You know, if you're really familiar with nine, right, you know what's around every single corner, but you don't know what's around that corner this time, mm-hmm. right? right. And so when I'm riding with Ben, going to call out Ben too, my 19 year old. Um, I'm trying to keep him out of the wolf packs. And it's like, you get your follow-up close there. It's like, got to give yourself reaction time. Don't ride where you can't see. And if that corner is a blind corner, well, you better you know roll off and give yourself time to see what is around that corner this time. And, right? and, and go wide to, to give you a better I'm, line of sight. Yeah, yeah stay wide until mm-hmm. you see the apex. Yeah, And that that's the, the hallmark of good roadmanship. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can ride a corner a thousand times, and the thousand and first time you go around the corner and there's a car broken down in the middle of the road. Or some gravel. Or, or some deer, gravel. Or a tree or fall. Or, a yeah. dog. or a deer. Yeah, yeah, mm. or a bloke. If you're, if you're, if a you're bloke, stop being John. <laughs> yeah, there's a bloke some in the poor, room. <laughs> oh no! Some poor dude is coming home with some curry. Can't see bones, my Carice, what happened? You wouldn't have to believe it. It's a stumpy American. Like accent. <laughs> so, Scott, have you ever had any students that were just unteachable? Very few. Everybody um, learns at a different rate, but there have been a very few. Notably, there was one back in Minnesota that, that my fellow instructor and I referred to as the Hindenburg. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Awesome. What, by shape or just by... <laughs> <laughs> um, I better not say anything incriminating, but I'm not going to deny that. Okay. Well, first you shouldn't have said where it was. <laughs> uh, what, you can't say anymore? Uh, you know, this is so long. This is decades ago. Yeah. Oh, let's hear it. No, so, yeah. okay. Beans. Statue was, of limitations. It was up. a student who just you know, could not follow the instructions to see, mm-hmm. you know, be aware of your surroundings, where the other bikes are, where the exercise <laughs> is. She was just not really present, even after I think she went through the class four times. And wow. like we say now, motorcycling is not for everybody. And yep. for those who it is okay for, people learn at different rates. And so it might take a couple tries, a few tries. But at some point, if it's not clicking, then you just got to kind of look at the risk management thing. It's like, maybe this isn't a good idea. But hang on, Scott. You kind of answered your own question before it was asked because you said she wasn't able to follow instruction because I know you you, uh, CSMP guys, it's very methodical. It's a proven method. If you follow the instructions, you're going to learn how to ride a bike. 
it is a process-based curriculum. It is not a product-based curriculum. Right. So at any point in the process of learning, if the learner isn't at the place that they need to be for the next exercise, and we deem that it's not safe for them to continue, then they, you know, we counsel them out with some advice. Hey, you know, we you know need to come back and work on the basics more, or here's what you're not doing that we need you to do, which could be they're having difficulty following instructions, but it also could be that, you know, they're just saturated for the day. Right. And, I mean, there is a certain amount of dexterity. I mean, oh, I yeah. know you guys talk a lot about the friction zone. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, just the simplest thing, something that's very, very simple for all of us, is just to engage the clutch and throttle in such a way that you actually pull away and mm-hmm. don't stall the bike, and conversely, you don't accelerate into the side of a Ford Taurus at a 1,000 miles mm-hmm. an hour. You know, you want somewhere in the middle <clears throat> where you just kind of accelerate away smoothly. And that in itself is a very, very... I'm not going to say a difficult task to master, but it certainly requires a certain amount of skill, dexterity, balance, thought process. A lot of the curriculum, you know, historically is based on a photographic task analysis of what motorcyclists do. You know, to take a rapid corner, for example, mm-hmm. is one of the the um, the peak skills, and all the little pieces, you know, being in the right gear, being able to shift. <clears throat> while you're while you're heading for this corner, breaking the right place, the right amount, looking the right place, making the motorcycle lean the right amount, knowing how much to roll on the throttle. It's a capstone thing. But there's all the little pieces, this building block process we have in the curriculum that make that up. Yeah, very good. So I made a mistake today and Ellie was the better better for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I ordered a headlight modulator for mm. my Africa Twin. Ah. And I ordered the wrong one. Mm. Oh. Well, I mean, I, I'm i not going to say I'm partly to blame, but I'd forgotten. Because it's been no, a long you know, time since I laid my hands on a, a an Africa Twin. They've got LED headlight bulbs. Mm. So they're amazingly hard to get mm. to. Because they don't need to be easy oh, to get tiny. to. They're tiny. Yeah, yeah, like forever bulbs. Because just they're like forever bulbs. And when you do a headlight modulator on an Africa Twin, number one, you don't. You need to get one specific for LEDs. Yeah. But number two, you don't actually attach it onto the back of the headlight bulb like every other bike mm. in the world. You just find the power source for the headlights. Mm. And I think that's in the left-hand fairing pocket. So, and you just plug it in there. So mm. I did some quick research online. What kind of bulb does Africa Twin have? And I found replacement bulbs that were H4s, which is common. So I'm like, that must be it. So I bought the H4 kit. Um, and so then taking apart that Africa Twin is a pain in the butt. Uh then realized, oh, <laughs> it won't work. So then I was like, Ellie, mm. you have got a cruiser with a single beam of mm. light. Uh, I showed her the video of what it does, and she was like, yeah, I would love it. So anyway, I feel good. She she won, but good. I didn't do enough research uh, on what, what my bike takes. So, But that, well... And I'm as guilty of this now. You've got to be very, very careful about dates. And I mean, let's say you're doing a, a, a repair on a late model bike. Right now, I've got um, a 2020 R1 on the ramp for a very extensive crash damage repair. It's about $7,000 in parts. Oof. Oh, yeah. Wow. 
Um, and I'm absolutely terrified, not by doing the repair, but making sure that every single color-coded part is correct. Hmm. Um, but going back to your dilemma, Liza, mm-hmm. the Honda Africa Twin does indeed take H4 bulbs, but the Gen 1 Africa Twin from 1989. Yeah. Those are the ones that take H4s. Yeah, yeah. Just, so, you know. Anyway. Um, Patrick, how about you? Made any mistakes lately? Oh, many, <laughs> many, many mistakes. <laughs> yeah, you want to share any? Uh, you know, on, in terms of wrenching, like one of the mistakes oh, that yeah. I've, I've made in the past, and this isn't more of a recent one, where I made this long time ago, misdiagnosing the problem. So you just start throwing parts at it. You know, like, oh, my God, I thought I had, like, a starter relay go out, so buy a starter mm-hmm. relay, buy, you know, fuses, buy this, that, and everything else in between. Six months later, come to find out, oh, it was a, it was a wire that was grounding on the frame. Mm-hmm. So now I have, I have a box full of spare starter relays and spare <laughs> fuse blocks and spare cables and all this stuff. And it's like, well, I've got it. These will probably never fail on me, but I've got that spare part. And months yeah. and months of throwing parts at it. Right. Um, so this is this is the challenge I found with wrenching on bikes, and some people disagree me, with me on this. Is like I like to take it apart and then figure out what's wrong with it, then buy the part I need. Mm-hmm. Don't don't start buying parts until I get you know, in some cases like the case off or something. If that's right. the issue, the, um, though, and correct me if I'm wrong, I it's my experience with mechanics. Most oftentimes they take a guess and say just get the part. Let's start replacing yeah. parts. Because when you add in bench fees, yes, it's it, right now it's it, a scale. It, it, it depends. You don't on, have on, the time to dig in. You well, just and, replace and, and, it depends on where you're at. It's yeah. like if you're a professional mechanic, it's maybe different. For me, it's like yeah, exactly. ah, I can let the bike sit for three months. Right. Then it just becomes a question yeah. of how long am I willing to let that bike sit, and how frustrated am I going to get while I'm waiting for parts to go find an alternative replacement. And for of course, the job. like every other shop, I'm short of real estate. So even if I've got a big job in like an engine build, I can't have it stinking up the workshop for months mm-hmm. because right. I haven't got right. the room for yeah. it. So you have to take a guess of like these are the parts I need. Well, to you know, at least try to get the thing back online, and maybe if I need one or two more along the way, yeah, I've got eighty percent of what I need to do the job. Over right. the years, I've accumulated sufficient parts that i keep in stock for a lot of jobs right like if you look at my parts i've got triumph gasket kits i've got bsa gasket kits for complete builds i've got norton gasket kits i've got piston rings shells valve guides a couple of valves right and that's going to cover 90 percent of engine rebuilds now if you have something that's suffered a spectacular failure now you need to do maybe cranks sludge traps Oil pumps. Um, you ever have an engine problem? Always replace the oil pump. People forget the oil pump. Mm. Poor little oil pump. All that junk in the engine has been sucked through yeah. the oil pump. So, um, and you know, most of this I kind of keep for that reason. But I'm a huge advocate. You you got a problem, you pull it down, you find out what you need, and then you buy accordingly. Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. because. Right. So I once made a big mistake um, that fortunately for my bike was not a, uh, didn't, it can be a lot worse on other bikes, and Emma will understand in a second. Uh, on my CB750, my 72 CB750, I over-tightened the drain plug bolt. 
Oh, oh I've mm. done that. That's a common one, though, right? I've done That's that. a big yeah. one. Fortunately, on the CB750, <clears throat> it has a pan. Yes. Not it's not the case. Okay. Yes. So you can mm-hmm. replace the pan. Well, that's not the yep. case. Ha! <laughs> so, <laughs> so on that one, is a, the helicoil fix good and or I, bad? Yeah, no, a helicoil's fine. A helicoil's always fine yeah. as long as you do them correctly. Right, right. See, I've, I've made this mistake many times. My KLR, I can't count the amount of helicoils that are in that bike because yeah. <laughs> the first one was the oil pan. Well, where it was like, <laughs> I, I over-torqued it. And I was like, oh, yeah. shit, one day. And I went mm-hmm. to do my oil. And I was like, uh-oh. And then got to get a truck to load I'm, it on. And a mechanic had to put a helicoil on it. I've done it on the head bolts. I've right. done it on cam um, cam cover bolts all over the place in that engine. And that's where I like, I, it took me a long time to realize like the value of a torque wrench. Oh, I just bought torque. three oh, torque yeah. wrenches. And it's just like, hey, it's like awesome. at least at least get me a feel on the torque wrench before I start mm-hmm. trying to, because, you know, of course, and I see this all the time in my own job too, where it's like tighter is better. And it's like, not always, not so, in an aluminum case. Nope. <laughs> Would you like to see it, tighter, my tighter torque is great wrench, until it's Patrick? not. Sure. Yeah, it's show it to me. Mm. Made in England. <laughs> Very visual joke. <laughs> so I'll share with you my... Temporary fix until I got a new pan, which will probably make Emma cringe, or maybe not. Maybe you'll <laughs> think that it was smart. Um, I got a, there are replacement plugs that have a plug in the plug. Have you seen this? Yeah. So I JB welded the big plug in and then used oh. the small plug to drain the oil. No, that's really the good. only problem being that I was told if I sold the bike to somebody and they didn't know that they're going to stick a wrench onto the big plug mm. and try and take it out that is JB welded in. Mm-hmm. But that's, so, a, that's a that's legitimate repair method. I've seen so, it in yeah. all yeah. kinds of industries. Let, you just let, put a bigger plug and then a smaller one in between. Let's talk a little bit about JB weld if that's <laughs> okay. Lisa. Oh, because that, that is that many stuff. mistakes are oh. fixed by JB weld. So Great you stuff. would be surprised. How many Ducati monsters and hyper motards come in with broken crankcases? Oh. And the reason they have broken crankcases is the side stand, which is the only stand, <laughs> what you Americans <laughs> insist on calling the jiffy stand. I've um, never heard of that. Is, no. no, you never heard never, that? Nope. Never heard of that. Okay. Heard it, yeah. Kickstand. Kickstand yeah. is bolted directly to the engine. Oh, yeah. that's now, I've heard about that. <laughs> if you keep the bolts tight, you're golden because one bolt passes through the frame. The other bolt bolts directly into the engine. Hmm. The problem occurs when the bolt that passes through the frame backs off a little bit. Now you've got a little bit of flex in that side stand, hmm. in the kickstand. If you drop the bike, and you don't have to be going fast, or... The last one I had in, is it, I felt so sorry for him. He was almost in tears. He was a very, very young soldier who was coming over to study at DLI mm-hmm. in Monterey. Yeah. And he brought his Ducati with him, and he had it in a trailer. And he tied it down very, very hard oh. in the trailer. Oh. Sufficiently oh, the hard kickstand. that the kickstand broke the crankcase. Oh. And all the oil came oh. out because there's a lug, so, and it breaks so he tied the, it. it he tied it down with the kickstand down. Down, yeah. Well, oh, as one, oh, and no, it, it went no. over a bump and just crack. And yep. he brought it to me, and I said, "Well, and here's the point of the whole talk: the proper repair mm-hmm. is to obviously have it welded back on. Yeah, that's the proper repair. 
However, when you factor in getting it clean enough to weld, making sure the weld isn't porous, making blah, 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 often it's not cost effective. And so what the, the JB weld way to do it, mm-hmm. and there is a, an actual JB weld way to do it, is you lay the bike on its side so all the oil, even if the oil's drained, there's always a residue, yeah. falls to the other side of the engine. And you leave it like that for a week (laughs) so that it gets all the oil drains completely away from the repair. Now you get in there with degreaser, with brake cleaner. You get that as clean as possible, both pieces, and you leave it for another week. For everything to dry out. I also recommend using your partner's toothbrush to really... Oh, yes, but don't tell them. (laughs) That's the important thing. And you can substitute um, toothbrush for, you know, a nail brush. Um, What I find particularly effective, those little scrubbies you do the dishes with, you know, but again, it's very important that you don't tell your partner that you're using <laughs> kitchen or toilet utensils <laughs> to work on your motorbike. That's part Wait, of. Wait, that f- sounds like another mistake we got to re- circle back to, Emma. Well, actually, because like, Maybe. what color sponge for which scrubbing? Like right, the red yeah. or the green? Mm. Exactly for which. So, and then when you've done the the oil and the JB weld, you mix up the JB weld. Exactly. I mean, absolutely mm-hmm. to the right amount. You do the repair, clamp it, and leave it for another week. And that's kind of the correct way to do it. Okay, your bike's going to be on its side for three weeks. And as a shop, I'm not allowed to do that. Right, right, because that's a lot of real estate too. Well, and on top of that, that's the liability. liability yeah, yeah. you know, it's yeah. not really. It's a legit repair, but it's not a legit repair. So I not always a talk. Repair. Right, I always talk the owner through it and said, "This is what you need to do exactly." Yeah. And so we go back to that young soldier, and that's how he fixed his bike. He followed my instructions completely, and he's still riding it, and he's got another five thousand wow. miles out of wow. it. Wow! So I mean, JB Weld is a legit repair. In some cases, and in the case of an oil pan, even a helicoil, Yamaha are very, very reasonably priced with their oil pan. If you want to buy an oil pan for um, an R6, it's only about 30 bucks. So now you've got to ask yourself, 30 bucks for an oil pan or 15 bucks just for the kit? Right, well, then you've got to get the angle right and all that stuff. And get the angle right. So you know what? It's better just to buy the pan. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, not everyone's got that luxury. Your KLR, right. for an well, example, you need cases. Yeah. Well, in the KLR, that's why it had to be helicoil. Right. Because it's like, that, that's it. There's no other way. It's either that or you have to get entire engine cases to do the job. Right. So, and on some bikes, yeah. to get the pan off, even though it's got a pan, it's still engine out. I mean, they give you a pan. Right, but, yeah, but there's no way to get it out. You still got to pull the engine to get it off, and in that case, you're like, I'm not sure about that. So then out comes the helicoil. oil. Um, so you know, when is a budge not a budge? So uh, I remember years ago, <clears throat> we had a young man come here on a beautiful CB550 that he had been kind of restoring, really going through and fixing up. Um, and so he made a, a somewhat expensive mistake. Um, the brake was seized up on it, so he ordered a caliper, but he didn't just order a used one. He ordered like a brand new 
caliper for CB550. I think it cost him a couple hundred bucks. It was pretty expensive, wow. right? <clears throat> and he puts it on, still locked up, nothing. Nothing would move. So then Ooh. he bought a brand. And he kept going to like Honda, like ordering like Honda vintage oh, yeah. parts or oh, something yeah. like Only that. The or OEM parts, he didn't do right? Banggood? No, he, and he wasn't <laughs> buying used. So he got a new master cylinder. Still locked up. So they thought, well, it must be the line. So he got a new braided line. He spent so much money by this point. <clears throat> Still wouldn't engage at all. He brought it down to the garage for us to go through and, and check out. And I found the problem. Which was? The bolt going into the master cylinder was Banjo a, bolt. Was a bolt. Oh. Bolted oh. the line on. It was not a band bolt with the holes for the for the fluid to move through. Oh, blimey! But then and he kept replacing everything and using the same bolt. But how do you replace oh, the lines no. and not notice this? Well, because like, not if you, if you don't, don't know, you know. need a bolt. Okay, yeah. If, you, you if don't you're not know. familiar with the system, yeah. <laughs> You know, not everybody's. He, I, I'm sure he oh, bought the my. bike from somebody, and maybe they just threw the. You never know when yeah. you buy stuff from people. I'm going to yeah. fess up. Would you like to know the worst mistake oh. I ever made? Oh, good. Oh, it's it's a good one. <laughs> it's it, and it goes back a few years. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> Indian. Oh, food. I know one bad mistake you made when you forgot to tighten the front fender. Oh, oh well. <laughs> Is it worse than that? Uh, it. I mean, in some respects. All right. Um, so I had many, 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 many years ago. I had a 1967 BSA Lightning on on my ramp. Nice. Oh, it's a gorgeous bike. Oh, this wasn't your bike. No. Oh, that made it worse. And it had a tick from the top end, and I could not get this thing running right. <laughs> and I thought, Christ, it's got a tick from the top end. It's got to be mechanical. So I take the rocker cover off, look, nothing. And then I think, okay, I've got to take the head off. Take the head off, nothing. Take the valves out, nothing. Maybe the guides are loose in the cylinder head. So I heat up the cylinder head, push the guides out, nothing. So I'm like, oh, shit. Now I've got to take the cylinder off, so I take the cylinder off. Oh, no. Rings are fine. Maybe the pistons. So I take the pistons off. Pay a great deal of money to have the pistons x-rayed. No cracks in the piston. Now I'm looking at the rods, and I'm like, oh, it can't be the rods, but it's got this tick. It's got this tick. Okay, the rods got to come out. So I pull the rods, <laughs> put new shells in it, because the shells had a tiny Basically bit of wear doing on doing a complete engine rebuild. Oh, yeah, it was. Yeah. It was a complete engine <laughs> rebuild, strip the oil pump, does all the da 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 And, I mean, God bless me, I did it in a day. Um... And I put it, all, I put it all back together, and there was a tick, and it still ran like crap. Ooh. And to cut a long story short, uh, on the bottom of the intake, there's a bridge pipe, a rubber pipe that bridge goes left to right, and it was off one of the spigots, and the tick oh. was oh. air going. Oh. Sucking in through oh, that, no. and that's why I couldn't get it running right because oh. it was running lean. So I just put the bridge pipe on; the thing ran perfectly. Wow! And you know, I mean, you can't well. charge that. You can't charge. You know, I. Yeah. 
as honest as I am, I said to the guy, look, this is what it was. You got a complete engine rebuild out of it. Um, I said, but I'm, I d- I'm not even comfortable charging an hour. 15 mm. minutes, just pay me 15 minutes. <laughs> oh. 15 minutes time to put the rubber pipe oh. back it's a good on. good learning experience for you, It was I an guess. incredibly yeah. good learning. Yeah. Well, did, did, the- did he at least pay for the new shells? No, actually, we've, we've <laughs> oh. remained friends for a long, long time. Um, oh, that's worth it. And... And that's worth it in the end because we all need more friends. Mm. Um, <laughs> but I think the lesson I learned as a mechanic yeah. is that we always tend to figure the worst. I mean, as upbeat as I try to be, mechanics generally were a pessimistic bunch. You know, if someone says, oh, my engine's making a little noise, I mean, think it comes in, it sounds like there's a giant skeleton trying to climb out of the engine, you know, so Mm. you tend to fear and expect the worst. So you tend to make things far more complex than they need to be. Something as simple as a rubber pipe coming off. No, it can't be that simple. It's got to be the big end shells. So, you know, I did something a little yeah. dumb like that just this morning oh, no. with oh. Ed Harley. So it's been sitting under the back uh, deck. There's a neighbor's bike that he's having me uh, foster for him, you could say. And hmm. I was pretty sure the starter battery was not holding a charge. And I still think it was defensible to replace the battery today. Get the brand new battery in there. Voltage is fine. Static, whatever. And it still won't even click. And I was like, what's wrong with this thing? And I figured out. It was the two damn CR2032 coin cell batteries in the keyless <laughs> ignition. Oh, oh, no like, why way. is there a little orange key lit up on the speedometer? Yep. It's like, I replaced the damn coin battery. Boom! Fires right up. It's like, oh, There's I replaced like a car. the starter battery. Okay, well, you know. <laughs> so has yep. anyone here ever bought or sold a motorcycle that was a mistake? Oh, yes. Yeah. So no, well, I want to talk about this this gummy taco I've got right now, <laughs> just for a moment, if you'll indulge me. So, it's it's got removable cheese. You can I lift. Whole, there's a whole thing over there for you guys. Yeah, no, you can lift out the cheese. It's like a kit, and you can. Wait. Here, here's tortilla chips, Liza. Hold on. Oh, the tortilla! Don't try. eat the corn. The corn I gotta is try, always I gotta try the gummy corn. No, the no, corn no. Oh God, that is sketchy. Oh, no. Don't eat the gummy. I'm thinking those corn flavored uh, jelly beans. It's or whatever. Re- it is quite revolting. I didn't think Ooh. it was that. Are you bad. eating it like corn? Yeah. <laughs> All that. <laughs> no, it needs the cheese and some tapatio on there. Oh, that would do oh. it. Oh, oh, is it? Oh. <laughs> Isn't it awful? <laughs> no, my the mistake isn't that it's corn flavor. Like corn, it's a sour gummy. I didn't notice that. Oh, oh I can't oh. stand a sour gummy. Now it oh. looks like a banana slug. Oh, this is awful. Mm. Well, Santa Cruz. <laughs> that was a mistake. Emma, back to your mistake. Um, oh. Well, I think, I mean, just being more general, I mean, I think we've all bought bikes that we had just high hopes for and spent too much on the bike and spent too much fixing them up just never really bonded to them you know um i mean everybody knows how much i love rufus and how Mm -hmm. me and rufus are a couple and that's kind of like the love story but i've had bikes before and i'm trying to think one of the ones i had and i could just actually you know the trident i wrecked yeah I wanted so much to like love that bike, 
It was a 68 Trident. It was a prototype bike. It was mm. all original. It was original paint. It, I mean, on paper, aside from trying to kill me, it was a gorgeous bike. Yeah. But I just never just bonded with it. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially after it threw you down the road about 50 or well, 60 Well, and I mean, no. And, <laughs> and I mean, that, that was really, that was the full stop at the I end of there. a very peculiar relationship yeah. with that yeah. bike. And it's just, it doesn't surprise me that the fucking thing tried to kill me. Um, mm. It just, and it's nothing tangible because... I don't like to over-romanticize these things. A motorcycle is just plastic mm. and metal and rubber. It's got no soul. Mm. Um, so it's not that it doesn't like you. Um, it's d- hold on, did you hear that? Did you guys hear that sound? I think it was the bike's walk. I think it was Rufus flinging itself across the parking lot. <laughs> oh, Rufus said never do I heard that. You, heard you Soulless. say that. I, I got two push-at-home <laughs> stories. Yeah. Both dumb mm. stuff. One of them, and we don't have to do this with fuel-injected bikes anymore, but when you fill up the tank, take it off reserve, put it back on main. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, see, I got my buddies doing <laughs> that That was a mile ago. to the gas yeah. station. Yeah. And then the other one was my brother's Vision 550, 82 Yamaha. Oh, yeah. Great little bike, a lot of fun in traffic. We had this problem where once in a while it wouldn't start, and I once pushed it like two miles back to the house, before we figured out, it was the side stand interlock switch <laughs> was getting jammed. Yep. All you have to do is reach yeah. down there and you know, mess And, you know, it's, it's, it's only America that they put those switches on. For stupid mm-hmm. Americans. I like the side stand switch because my first bike, that 77 RD400. You left the side stand down. Oh, man. First left turn out of the driveway, fairly steep driveway. Like, oh, my God. You know, it'll mm. wake you. Yeah. Oh, it'll wake you up for sure. There you, are. you talk about mistakes. How many times have you ridden away with the side stand down? Mm-hmm. Many. Um, mm. Speaking of, so I've been writing down, I've been thinking of mistakes I've made. Uh, when it comes to like getting a bike, I don't. I don't think of this as a mistake. I think of this as a journey. But um, the chopper that I built life's a journey, mm. darling. Um, I mean, it, it cost me twenty five thousand dollars to right. build. I, I mean, to me, it was a beautiful right chopper. It was all custom. And then, after a couple year, after about <laughs> three years, it was you know, rusting in my garage from the salt air and mm-hmm. I sold it for 10 grand. Oh. So on paper, yeah. it was a mistake. Also, I didn't have anyone to ride it with. Right. You couldn't really ride yeah. it with a group or do anything with it. I don't think of it as, as a mistake because it was the journey of building a bike from the ground up and all the little things I did to make all these parts fit together that when you're getting chopper parts, they're not necessarily made to bolt together. You need to modify and, and fabricate things to make it all fit together. So yeah. it was a great journey for me. But yeah, on paper, that was a failure. I think for monetary value, yeah. And we've all done that. When I have people bring me down a bike for, for a restoration... I'll often have the talk with them. I say, you will understand, if you restore this bike, you're spending far more Mm -hmm. than the value of the bike. Far more than the value of the bike. But the bike may have nostalgic values. It might have been Dad's bike or Uncle Freddy's bike. Or it just might have been a motorcycle, even though they just bought it. 
They've lusted after it since they were children. And so mm-hmm. from a heart perspective, it's got far more value than what you'd expect to pay for it in Cycle Trader. Yeah. In which case, it represents good value for money. But just from an economic standpoint, the the actual cost to restore a British bike now, if if you were to bring me a rusty, crusty, early 1960s Bonneville and say, I want this to be look like it did in 1964, brand new off the showroom floor, it's $20,000. That's what it costs to restore a British bike. Japanese bikes even more mm. because I've got surprising. Japanese bikes got more chrome. The paintwork tends to be more complex and the parts mm. are harder to find. Mm. The thing wow. is the, the, the parts network for English bikes is amazing. Always has been. Yeah. So that's what it costs. And yes, well, actually, you know, even the finest Bonnevilles, you might get 20 grand on a good day. It's more likely he's going to be 15. But you could argue, okay, if you get a, you know, a couple of years of happy motoring out of it and then you drop it at 15, it's not been bad value for money. You know, it's about the same depreciation you'd get on a car. But once you get into, say, quite an obscure Japanese bike, mm-hmm. um, like a Yamaha XS750, you know... It's simply uneconomic to restore them because just because it's not a particularly popular bike doesn't mean it costs less to restore. And excesses are a great example Mm -hmm. because they have such complex paint jobs on them. A lot of the Yamahas from the mid-70s have got these amazingly complex paint jobs which have got two, three colors, base, Mm -hmm. all these graphics that have all got to be hand applied. I mean, you can spend two or three grand just on getting a tank painted mm-hmm. on a bike that's worth five on a really good day. You know, the mm-hmm. your work as a, as a professional mechanic is a little bit different. Thinking back to Liza's uh, story about what she got out of building the chopper in life is not a purely financial experience. Right, exactly. It's like, what do you get for your time on this well, planet? And and I kind of run the shop like that as well. Yeah. Um, you know, I try and run it as an experience for me and an experience Good. for my customers. Yeah. Um, I think in terms of monetary um, standpoint of actual money changing hands, Mototown is is a very very small fish in a in a big pond i mean it's not entirely successful but i have a great time doing it which makes it successful so here oh we have late additions hey. to the show hey, hey. Not new edition, uh, late so here's a mistake that i've made um hold on let's do yeah there you go uh that i've made i'm thinking maybe some people here have made uh, and this, I'm going back to my childhood, and that would be, uh, Mike, that has, yeah, no, there you go, this, use that one, there you go. Um, and I am I can blame Evil Knievel for this mistake <laughs> and lesson learned. And that would be, as a kid, on my bicycle, the first time I tried a ramp-to-ramp jump. Oh, God. Oh, boy. Are you guys familiar with, have any of you tried the ramp-to-ramp jump on a bicycle? Yes. I think many, many, many years ago. Oops. So uh, the tried, problem. Tried it on the scooter, too. The problem that happens is if you don't make it, 
then your rear wheel gets caught on the edge of the ramp and flips you over the handlebars. <laughs> Nasty business. John, you can pull that mic over towards you. There you go. Um, I, that's a lesson I think a lot of kids learn, the ramp to ramp And here's, a, here's a gummy Mexican corn to go oh, with yeah, the, the penis coloring book Yeah, you gummy have. corn. It's really good. That book of cocks. Yeah. <clears throat> so... Um, Oh, wait, we have John Dalton and Michael yes. McCarthy joining us. Hello. Howdy, howdy. Oh, uh, howdy, 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 howdy. Hello. Um, Talking about wrenching and mistakes and whatnot, is, um, I used to break a lot of bolts, right? Like like side engine case bolts, because they're such small torque specs, right? Like right. eight, six pounds, mm. that kind of thing, And, right? you know, well, and if they've been on and off a couple of times, those torque specs are meaningless, because they're right. all pre-stretched anyway. Mm. If you, the book says four foot-pounds, you set your torque wrench to four foot pounds you're gonna break it anyway mm -hmm. because it's not a new bolt and i like you i've i've actually kind of gotten i asked you about it the other day but i've gotten away from torque wrenches because yes. i've broken bolts with torque wrenches and i'm like that's bullshit but anyway that aside what helped me stop breaking bolts and emma knows this is i went to quarter inch drive sockets right mm. well yeah. huge, well here's huge what i'll say no that's no yeah. well lies no here, well. here's what i'll say not a, not a blanket statement but when i'm doing regular maintenance items like oil like an oil filter on a dirt bike those yeah. little fucking bolts those little things on and off a lot I, I with a quarter inch drive socket, I rarely break anything, almost never. And if I need a bigger socket, like well, and to it, it it comes down to that feel thing, right? Yeah. Like, you know, if you've got yeah. some monster wrench, you cannot feel what's going on. Well, mm -hmm. four inches of the leverage, wrenches, you know, bit, versus eight inches of leverage, right. literally yeah. doubling the force. The well, I, I have questions. <laughs> <laughs> we might have go ahead, Daniel. Uh, first of all. How do you break a bolt with four foot pounds? <laughs> well, by applying more than four foot pounds to it. Okay, or, but or a torque wrench isn't going to do that. Though. And the point of it is, pre if it's stretched already from its last use. And plus, right. I mean, it, Italian bikes tend to have bolts that are made of stuff not dissimilar to mozzarella cheese <laughs> in consistency. I mean, they are true. quite I mean, easy to break. It, well, even the well, thing that I've seen is it's not so much the bolt breaks; it's the the aluminum casing or the magnesium casing right. that strip out. Right. If you over Really yeah, yeah. If you over, over torque a small bolt that goes into a case, yeah, absolutely, you can strip that out. And I've done that plenty of times. Yeah. Surely you um, mean aluminium, Patrick? Yeah, yes. aluminium for the making yes. of yeah. helium. So, yes. Yes. I, I did an oil yeah. change on the GSA <laughs> just like a week ago, and I was surprised at how tight the torque spec with my brand new torque wrenches was. I was like, wow, that seems like it's pretty tight. So the yeah. reason I said oops is because uh, I was helping Alex today change out his um, rotor, his uh, sprockets. And so he had his wheel on the ground and he needed to get those sprocket bolts out, which everyone knows is, can be very hard. And they're Allen head. And if you mm. strip them, you're done, right? So I, I'm like, well, we're going to work our way up from the smaller tools up because he was like, I heard that you need to use an impact. <clears throat> like, yeah, but an impact could also be the instrument of you know destruction. Mm -hmm. So we got a uh, Allen but it was a quarter drive, so then I put a quarter adapter to three-eighths, and then the breaker bar is a half, so I put a three-eighths to half adapter. <laughs> right. <laughs> and we got in there and just started twisting slowly, 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 and then I just twisted off the quarter adapter into the Allen, mm -hmm. which I have yet to be able to get out. <laughs> right. nice. Did you try wrapping it? Because that's the other oh, no, trick but is then we wrap the bolt. We I, moved to the impact, hit. and the impact did do well, it. Not impact, but just... Yeah. I've just come up with a great idea. Gummy flavored gummy tacos. No, I'm going to bring out my own line of sprockets. Spankies. Dieter brand sprockets with the monkey on the box. 
don't understand. <laughs> well, no, you have to be a certain age. Don't you remember Dieter from mm. Saturday Night Live? Yeah, yeah. This is Bansy Sprockets. No, no, it was oh, the time yes, to be that. Yes, Klaus, you are angular and beautiful. So, Would you um, like to touch my monkey? <laughs> <laughs> Bad monkey. <laughs> touch him. So, speaking of mistakes, Emma. Yes. There's a series of YouTube videos I love to watch. There's uh, a light shining at that the Frankenstein. It's place. car mechanics, oh. and it's it's called oh, yes. Customer States. Have yes. you guys seen these? No. I seen them. Oh, it's great. Uh, it'll say like Customer States, uh, ticking oh. sound coming from the rear end, and they lift it up, and there is a giant hole in the differential. You know? Yes. <laughs> I've seen memes like that before. Yeah, yes. or there was one that was customer states uh burning a lot of gas or or has poor poor mileage and they crank it up and there's literally a tree branch through the gas tank. Just stuff like uh what's going on? I'm wondering if you get anything oh, yes. customer states and then you get into it and you're like, "What? Oh, you got to go, Jim?" I'm going to take off. Yeah, All right, so see you. run. Catch y'all later. Peace, love, and soul. Love you, Jim. And thanks for the gummies. Except for the corn <laughs> one, which was revolting. Eliza <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> gagged on that slug or whatever it was. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, that was the corn. <laughs> no, Eliza no, likes yeah, her candy pre-chewed. <laughs> it expired like seven years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> it was recalled. Oh, so, um, Tastes like 2015. <laughs> I will right, share... I'll share a couple because I, I don't like sharing, you but, know, shaming customers. Well, you can go back in time. Right. But I'll just share a couple and the names will remain nameless to protect the innocent. Or, or guilty. guilty. <laughs> <laughs> um, they, pay their, they pay their penance. <laughs> this was a large touring bike, which rhymes with bold thing. <laughs> so <laughs> customer states there is a shimmy from the rear end so this this beast arrives and it's extremely large it's an early 90s bold thing <laughs> and they are particularly big and awkward and i thought i need to ride this thing before i judge mm -hmm. the shimmy in the rear end I pulled out of the driveway and was instantly, completely terrified. The back <laughs> of the bike was jumping from left to right about six inches. Oh. The wheel oh. the wheel didn't even feel like it was round anymore. It was like riding a clown bike. You know, oh, it was no. bouncing up and down and jumping from left to right. I was terrified at walking sp speed. And... Uh -huh. The trouble is, where my workshop's located, I mean, you have to... It was obvious I wasn't going to be able to push this thing. Mm -hmm. So I got Ooh. it on the garage forecourt, and I just caught my breath a little bit. And I thought, well, if I just leave the garage forecourt, cross the intersection, quick left, left, back to my place, it'll be fine. And I swear I aged a decade <laughs> in that quarter-mile <laughs> ride back. So the wow. little shimmy turned out that... Both left and right wheel bearing had failed. When I say failed, the oh. balls had dropped out. <laughs> the oh, wheel bearings are no more. Yes, the bike, the whole back, the the, the back wheel of the bike 
was being suspended by the ring gear on the left, which was also destroyed. And oh. grease. And grease. <laughs> and the rotor was actually kind of digging holes in the rotor carry and suspending oh. the entire weight of the bike on the right, oh. 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 which was also oh. Oh. destroyed. The wow. wheel itself was destroyed. Everything that rotated in the back or interacted with the rotating thing in the back was just destroyed. Just a it, it little shimmy. It, the the drivetrain turned itself into a lathe. Yes. Is what you're saying. <laughs> with a very, very blunt tip. Bold thing indeed. <laughs> yes, exactly. And the the amazing thing, the guy rode it down. Oh, my wow. God. Supposedly from Prunedale, which is 25 miles. <laughs> two-stroke man. Oh, no. Yeah, two-stroke man. <laughs> he was obviously an extremely bold fellow with cojones made of iron. Yeah. Um and I fixed it. I mean, you know, using a combination of new parts yeah. and carefully sourced used parts and blah, blah. We put it back together. And he he called me up when he got home after the repair. And he said, you know, it hasn't handled like this in years. <laughs> so, oh, uh, no. So that's, that's that gradual uh, failure. You don't even exactly. realize how bad it is. <laughs> Next oh, one. You just, you just get used to it. <laughs> Next one. Customer states. Yes. Customer states. <laughs> There is a small tick in the engine. Oh, okay. Keith Moon lives in that case. Yes. <laughs> Keith Moon did indeed live in that case. Well, more importantly, Keith Moon had made tried to make an escape. So this thing pulls up, and I could hear it coming down the road. <laughs> pulls up at the ship, turns off. Okay, very good. Customer states, tick in engine. All right, go away. Let me diagnose your bike. Get the bike on the ramp. And there is a hole in the front of the no. crankcase. And when the engine oh. was running, the rod was going, hello, 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 hello. <laughs> it, was like, it reminded me oh of a cuckoo <laughs> clock that was running extremely quickly. <laughs> hello, 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 hello. It's, oh, hello, Mr. Rod. Nice to see ya. <laughs> um so that's just, I mean, two examples. I mean, you could go on forever. Oh, I do go on. I want to hear more. Well, uh, you, you've been doing this how many decades? I'm sure go past, back past the statute of limitations. Have there ever been customers who did their own repair? Oh, many times. And brought it in for you to inspect, and you had to break the news to them. Well, I mean, so I got a customer recently. And I know, I I mean, I'm not going to say his name, so I'm not really shaming him. Um, And he had um, a bevel case from Honda Valkyrie with the drive shaft sticking out of it. And he said, how do I get this drive shaft out of the case? I said, ah, I said, well, what you've got is you've got like a circlip on the splines. Mm -hmm. And theoretically, it's a pull fit. But. Sometimes, you know, if they've got a little bit of wear on them, they're, they're a bit reticent. So the method is put a blanket or, you know, mattress on the ground and hold it up by the shaft so that the the bevel gear is facing down and then just go at it with a rubber hammer and hit the bevel drive. And the weight of the bevel drive combined with you whacking it It'll pop off and fall onto the mattress and everything will be tickety-boo. And he said, well, I haven't been doing that. I said, well, what have you been doing? He said, well, I've been holding 
the bevel gear and I've got vice grips around the, the drive shaft and I've been oh. hitting the vice grips with a hammer. And I said, you shouldn't do that because you will break the splines. I've said, do the method I've told you. Anyway, he showed up two days later with broken splines. And he, he, he said, well, you know, um, I know what you said sounded good, oh. but I carried on oh, with no, my no. method. And it's you know I've seen this a lot in my in my industry, and it's we we have a name for vice grips. They're called nut fuckers, right? Because that's <laughs> what they do. They just they destroy everything in their path, right? Like, yeah, they get the tool for the job. And actually, and do that. <laughs> dear Mike over there reminded me of a very very recent, and it's very rare that I refuse to work on a bike. But actually, this happened. What day was that? Thursday? Wednesday? Yeah, I don't know. I'm pretty much at your shop every fucking day this night. <laughs> yeah, well, you're on you're on summer holidays. You, you know, this is Mike is my helper. He's my parts runner right now because school's out for summer. School's out forever. Highly unreliable parts <laughs> runner. No, you're that. not. You're very reliable. I darling. show up jacked up. No, it's all good. Yeah, it's all <laughs> So, um, this gentleman shows up with a Japanese cruiser. And I've been trying to offer this gentleman advice for quite a few months now. And originally, he came to me not long after my shop had opened. And he said, I've just bought this cruiser. It doesn't charge. And I said, okay, well, this particular brand of cruiser is quite notorious. What you're going to have to do is you're going to have to buy a stator, a regulator rectifier, and a decent battery. There's the trifecta. You have to buy all three. Stay away from the Chinese batteries and buy a stator and a reg reg. Because, from the factory. Right, from the factory, because they all work together. And I quoted yep. him actually an amazing price. I said, I'll do that job for 800 bucks. I'll put you a factory stator in it, a factory reg reg, all the labor, and a US battery for 800 bucks. And yeah. it was a damn good deal. Because, mm -hmm. you know, because. Yeah. Well, he said, no, I think I'll do it myself. Since then, he's been doing like the head of the broom and the candle of the broom. He put in a stator without putting a reg rec in. Well, that stator oh. burnt out. So now uh. he put in a reg rec. Well, the stator burnt <laughs> out the reg rec. And he's been going backwards and forth. I think he's on his third alternator now. And his second oh, record. Because he's never dude, done them stop. together. Stop. And <laughs> he came off. down the shop. And this was last Wednesday, I believe, looking very, very sheepish. And he said, would you test my bike? And I'm like, I'm going to be honest with you. I really don't want to get involved with this bike. I said, I've been offering you free advice for the best part of a year, none of which you've chosen to take. <laughs> or pay for. Or pay for. Yep. And I said, I really don't want to get involved. He said, look, I promise, please just check my bike for charging. So, of course, I get the voltmeter on it. We rev it. 11.6 volts. I said, it's not charging. And I said, you know what I'm going to tell you? You need a stator, a rectifier, and a decent battery. One two, three. Well, would you do the job? I said, no. <laughs> no. 
that I'm ship sorry. has sailed. But, that, but at this yeah. point, this guy's learned. It's like, you know well, what? You can do it yourself at this point because you've done it twice, yeah. two, I three think, times. I, I think that I, I like to think the lesson perhaps he's learned is I know money's tight. Right. But generally, if somebody who has some knowledge gives you advice it really behooves you to follow it especially if it's free advice because right. the well free and at advice, that point it's it's he's already spent more money than you would have spent yeah. to do oh, the job I, already you so can pay like, me now oh, or you can right. pay me later yeah you're you're it's oh he's worth gone it to spend the money to do it the right way he's gone way beyond that sometimes. he's gone way yep. beyond that yeah. because if you buy an alternator um by a you know by one of the cheaper companies that rhymes with dick. Um, <laughs> it's basically you put in a dick alternator to sell your bike. Yeah. But even if you you, you put one on, um, you've really got to do everything. An alternator is really very, very stupid. It only does what the reg rec tells it to do. They're like drinking buddies. And the alternator's the dumb <laughs> one. So, what, 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 what are we going to do now? And the Reg Rex guy, we're going to go into that bar and we're going to fight the biggest guy in there. Okay. <laughs> the Reg Rex is the instigator in this, but the Reg Rex is heavily influenced by the battery. The Reg Rex's in love with the battery and he'll do everything <laughs> that the battery tells him to do. And the battery's like, I'm needy. I want, I want more from you. And he's like, okay. And the alternator's going, what are we going to do now? And the Rex going, I want more. Because I'm in love with the battery and she wants more. And so they're all working together to spend your money. Yep. You know? Yeah. And can it's I not harmonious. A, can I give an interesting story about that? Yes. <clears throat> and my Heinkel. The, when oh, I, the, uh, H-E, the H-E triple one. Right. Hold on. Yes. I was waiting for Bagel to share a mistake story with that pile but, of non-running bikes behind him. Are yeah, you I've ever going to get one? Oh, I've got, yeah, I've got endless. <laughs> okay. How much time do you have? Uh, but the, the Heinkel, um, when I got it revived last year and I took it out uh, on its first real like rally ride, um, I blew the headlight. And I was like, well, that's weird. Um and I put new, well, they were new batteries from JC Whitney probably 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I filled them up with acid, you know, give them a, give them a, a charge and everything. Right. And they, they were holding a little over 12, you know, between the two, because it says two, two batteries in series to make 12 volts is how, how Heinkels did it back in the day, because they only had six volt motorcycle batteries back then. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I set it up and it ran, it worked. But during the during the ride, it blew the the low beam. I was like, "Well, that's weird." And I put it on high beam, so I have a light, and then it blew the high beam. Oh, damn! And and I couldn't I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't ride the bike after the end of the ride because at least I had other people on the ride with headlights. Um, and then I had to have a, my housemate come bring a spare headlight bulb to me so I could ride the rest of the way home. And luckily, made it the rest of the way home. I thought but you were going to say. I thought you were going to say, and then the bomb aiming site went out, and you had to ditch in a field in France and walk back to the fatherland. <laughs> no. Okay. But but I, I realized that after the fact that because those batteries were just barely holding twelve volts, <laughs> what that was doing is that right. was causing the the red wreck to put out. 
too a, much. a lot more voltage than it really needed to. Right. And that I believe is what fried the headlight bulb. I agree both, with you on both sides. And I put, I got a brand new um, 12 volt lithium ion battery for it. Put that in. Not a problem since. Right. And, and, and in fact, in fact, even the, uh, the little, um, little red, um, Charging light on the on the dash would come on whenever it was at idle before with the the two lead acid batteries, two six volt batteries. Uh, after I replaced with the lead with the uh, lithium ion, the char- the charging light just does not come on at all anymore. So it's it's working much much better with a property properly working battery. And this is the missing link that people don't always get. Your battery is part of the charging system. As the mm-hmm. ultimate recipient of the goods that the alternator is putting out via the reg yeah. the battery is an integral part. It's a balanced system. A mm-hmm. cheap and nasty battery, or in your case, just a nasty old battery that isn't able to take all the current that's been putting out or is fooling, is fooling. You see, in your case... You had a battery or twin batteries, and who's not in love with mm-hmm. twins who are being very mean <laughs> with their love? Twins. Meanwhile, yes, they're being very needy. Yes, being very needy. Meanwhile, the reg wreck is equally in love with both of them, and mm-hmm. it just really wants to please and is putting out and putting out and putting out and getting yep. nothing in return. And it doesn't care who else it burns out in the process. That's right. And it burnt out its friend, the headlight bulb. It was a terrible, terrible, tragic end to a happy (laughs) menage a trois. (laughs) But but, but they're all working happy now. Yes. But can I offer one other lesson that I learned just today? Yes. Yes. I I, I went down to the the Big Wood Scooter Rally in Eureka this week, Mm -hmm. which was a fabulous rally. Uh, Great riding through the Redwoods. uh, Wonderful time camping. And many, many thanks to uh, the Slug Rocket Scooter Club in Eureka for putting that on. <laughs> but I, I learned some lessons on the way back. Um, I had a great down, ride down there on my uh, salvage GTS 300, uh, nicknamed Shorty, because I've been hitting the rear and was a foot shorter when I got it. Um, <laughs> I rode, and this, this is a bike that I got running last year, and I've just kind of been riding it around as like, you know, my backup bike. I've changed the oil and haven't really done a whole lot else to it. So, I mean, I guess one lesson is I should have really gone thoroughly through the bike before I went on a bigger ride like this, but I didn't, you know, it's a modern Vespa. I figured it'd probably be okay. And for the most part, it did just fine, except on the way back today, all of a sudden on the side of I-5, well, actually on the the left lane of I-5 doing about 75 miles an hour, it just cut out on me when I was trying to pass a truck, (laughs) completely dead like nothing left in the throttle. And so I pulled in behind the truck, pulled over. And and because I was just north of Grants Pass where there's like this huge downhill, I, I managed to coast probably two or three miles downhill to the next exit <laughs> on the shoulder <laughs> and got off got off the, the freeway and went to to take a look at it. <clears throat> and I figured as I'm as I'm coasting along the shoulder, I'm thinking, okay, it's got to be one of two things. It's got to be fuel or it's got to be spark. And because the engine was still turning because the belt was still engaged. Um, so I knew it hadn't, you know, crunched any of the insides. But when I finally came to a stop, I figured, okay, let me check and see if the spark plug cap fu- pulled off because that would be the easiest fix. And sure enough, I saw the spark plug dangling there. And so I popped it back on, tried the starter, started right up. I'm like, great, that's 
That's awesome. Easy fix right back on the road. But the one thing that seemed a little odd was when I put the spark plug, spark plug cap back on, it didn't make that little click when it pops onto oh, the end of the spark yes. plug. Oh, yeah. And I thought that was a little weird because I, th- it, I was expecting that and I didn't feel it. And I thought, well, hmm, maybe the spark plug cap's getting worn out and I've got to replace that when I get home. Mental note. And then continued on my way. About an hour later, the bike died again. Of course, I was about to pass a truck in the left lane again. (laughs) But it cut out on me and coasted to the side. And on the side of the freeway this time, I went went back down in there again. And this time, the the spark plug cap had fallen down below the engine. And, of course, everything is is red hot, um, you know, in 102 degree heat on the freeway doing 75, 80 miles an hour. And so I figured, let me try to push the spark plug cap back up with a, a big Allen wrench that I had in my toolkit, just so I don't have to burn my hand on the engine and the exhaust reaching down in there. And I tried to put the, the Allen wrench into the spark plug cap, and it wouldn't go in. I'm like, what the hell? And I looked in the spark plug cap, and there was the tip of the spark plug stuck inside the spark plug cap. Oh. And I was like, oh, shit. And I looked in my, my little parts box that I put through in the bike before I left, and there was no spark plug in there. Looked in the glove box and there's spark plug in there. I'm like, oh, I didn't bring a spare with me. And and as someone who came into riding on vintage scooters, that is one thing you always carry with you is a spare spark plug. And I and I typically carry carry a spare spark plug on modern bikes too. But this time I didn't didn't really go thoroughly into my kit before I went on the trip. Didn't have a spark plug. And I, I managed to limp it home just by pushing the spark plug cap back on the plug. And, and it, ran, it ran well enough to get me here for the last 60 miles. But lesson learned, always bring a spare spark plug with you just in case you need it. Good lesson learned. You should probably zip tie that boot onto the plug ceramic, right? You know, I was I was thinking about that. Um, there uh, there weren't Will. a lot of <laughs> well, if you if you wanted a permanent, sure. Yeah. But there there weren't a lot of places that do a good zip tie on there, and right. I, it it you know it was it lasted about an hour the first time, so I figured good. you know got about an hour to get home. Maybe it'll make it, and sure enough, it did. Yeah, so, and it's just so got, it's it's. The thing that affects single-cylinder bikes the world over, simple mm-hmm. vibration. Mm-hmm. Yep. Simple vibration. Well, boo. Well, I'm glad you made yep. it home but safe, Bagel. Thanks, me too, because it was really hot out there. I did not want to be broken down by the side of the road for like a couple oh, hours. Oh, God, no, that would be awful. Mm. No. <laughs> hey, um, real quick, I wanted to uh, give a big thanks to a listener of ours. Oh, Brad. Oh, yeah? No, but yes, you can do Brad. You do Brad. So um, I would like to give a big shout out to my dear friend, Brad, who's a listener, who's a pilot. Yes. And he flies executive jets. And apparently he was um, flying into Monterey on business and decided he was going to give Mototown a try because he listens to the podcast. So he called me up and showed up. Absolute dear man. Mm-hmm. We had a lovely visit at Motown. And then um, I made a couple of phone calls and gave him a private tour of the Jameson Museum that evening. And we said goodbye. And then the very next day, we said, well, we're going to have an evening meal at the whole enchilada. <laughs> and so we go to the whole enchilada and it's closed. Yeah. So then we think, 
Hmm. It's always closed. That's why I hate going there. Yes, exactly. Oh, so then, <laughs> Phil's Fish Market. Perfect. Oh. Phil's Fish Market, best seafood in the world. So we go there. Closing. Yeah. At the 7 p.m. The waitress gave us oh. the stink eye and did the finger across the throat. We're closed. So wow. that was the end of that. So in the end, we went to uh, Lemongrass, yeah, which is a Thai restaurant down oh, in Moss Landing. Very passable Jim Thai I, restaurant. Nice. Jim and I rode down and 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 uh, met y'all, which I wanted to share. Riding back was surreal. Really? Yeah. So we were riding back, um, and it was there was a fog layer here. Right it, now, it was a hundred degrees in over the hill when i was working but yes. it was like a fog layer here so we're riding home and the sun is setting and it's chipped down below the fog layer so we're seeing these the sunset and this bright orange and red but just this like little strip of it oh, between wow. the the clouds and then we there were like pelicans flying through that oh, and you're like oh my gosh wow. as we're right at the coast then there was lightning strikes. Oh, yeah. Because it was Ooh, yeah. a dry lightning storm. Uh, yeah. And we're just seeing... Jeez. And the whole thing was just like so like surreal and beautiful. It looked like a painting. I just want to mention one more thing about Brad. Yeah. Because Brad showed up with liquor in hand. It's like he knew, <laughs> he knew that man. I was going to be there. He was like, <laughs> I heard there's this dude that hangs out at Emma's shop. And I heard that he's a lush. Showed up with this delicious gin in hand, cracked that bad boy open before he even had fully taken a seat. And it we, was a wonderful we, thing. We shared from the cup of love. And um, no, he brought many, many gifts. The biggest gift of all, of course, he brought was himself. It's very, yeah. Just a, a lovely man. So The um, gin was a close second. Gin was a close. Black currant flavor gin. So it was yummy. The thanks I'm putting out there. So... I mentioned that, so, you know, Moin Khan is flying from Pakistan for AMA Vintage Days. Oh, yes. In a few weeks, yeah. right? Yes. And I was like, Moin, if you're coming, I need to enter you into one of the races. You're the motocross mm -hmm. champion of Pakistan. Oh, hell yeah. Right? So I put the word out to our listeners, does anyone out there have a bike you can ride? Well, John, he, he answered the call and he said, I have a 98 CR250 I can get prepped and race ready for you. Nice. Now I'm like, yeah, thank you. That's awesome. So I entered Moin into the motocross races. I'm like, all right, Moin, got you. CR250, you're entered. And he's like, holy shit, that's a two stroke, man. <laughs> now he's the, the motocross champion in Pakistan, but he's like, I want to come to the States. Nine year olds beat me. Well, John's nine year old is entered in races. I was like, I'll send the kid out to show you the track. <laughs> nice. So Moin's shitting his pants a little bit. But thank you, John. He's he's prepping the bike, getting it all ready, doing four. Does he get any practice laps? Um, you've just reminded me yeah. about AMA Vintage Days, so I have an announcement to make. And if you decide to take me up on this offer, it's going to be tough for the timing, but I promise you, it's going to be worth it. Mm -hmm. A certain person who shall remain nameless but heads the Cleveland Moto Podcast <laughs> has dropped out of Kat and Emma's Alpine Adventure. Oh, no. Oh. It was scheduled. Well, he has, he's down mechanics at his shop. Nevertheless, oh, a feeble so excuse. He, I'm, I'm accepting. <laughs> so he's just working overtime trying to I'm accepting. Up. No. However, it means that a space has opened up now. In order to go on Kat and Emma's motorcycle alpine adventure, 
You will need a passport, you'll need euros, you'll need an international driving permit, and you will need access to a flight to Munich. Um, Lufthansa still have seats available. If you can fill that category, this is the absolute bargain of the century. And this trip was so overbooked. It was overbooked Mm -hmm. two weeks after we announced it. So this is a rare opportunity to get on board. Now, I know for a fact... um, um, I want to go so bad. Cats, 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 dear wife... But I need a new roof and heat in my shop. Right. Um, (laughs) Cats, dear wife, Nancy is probably listening to this right now and wanting to wring my neck. You're really going to have to pull your finger out because you've got just under a month to do it. You can do it. It's quite easy mm-hmm. to get all those ducks in a row. You can get Deutschmarks within a couple of well. days at most banks. The international driving permit, you can get a AAA same day. It only takes like 20 minutes yes. when I did it, yeah. Passport, well, you've either got a passport or if you don't, you can get onto Priceline, well, you, research you the might. flights. You might be able to get a passport last minute if you really try really hard. But I would love... (laughs) You might have to go to the Social Security Administration office. So so there's one more spot open. There's one more spot open if you decide to take us up on it. And just as a reminder, um, I think all the entry-level bikes have gone. You'd be... For a shared room, it's like 2800 bucks. Plus the cost of the flight, it's an absolute friggin' bargain. I, I think Phil had one of the BMW 900s. Right. Yeah. Um, I just want to say also, as a selling point to this, that I will not be there. I will not <laughs> be there. So <laughs> just. <laughs> oh, you hurt yeah, my no, feelings. and that's, that's the crushing <laughs> thing. So please, and just as a reminder of what this trip is, if you have no experience riding a motorcycle in an alpine environment, mm. if you have no experience of riding in Europe, If you have never left the United States on holiday before, this is the trip for you. It's absolutely an entry-level trip. There is no competition. There's no harsh words. It's just a very gentle, kind trip to introduce you to motorcycle rental through the Alps. And we're going to make everything as easy as possible for people it's going to be a very, very nice, kind trip, very respectful trip to everyone. We're going to have a really good time. We're going to eat like kings and queens. We're going to stay in beautiful, historic hotels. It's going to be a wonderful, wonderful adventure. It's like Rick Steves with like two wheels and an accent. Exactly. Emma, I will nice. put uh, the link put in the, the link. show notes. Um, please sign up for it because right. it, it really is. It's, it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Um it's going to be a lovely, lovely trip. And, you know, Phil, you're missing out. I know you're down a mechanic, but you really need to evaluate what's important in your life. No, that right means now. he gets to stay at Vintage Day. Yeah, and that's paychecks. a good thing. Paychecks yeah. are fucking important. <laughs> yeah, but no, I get it. Um, um, I get it. I have but, another uh, another announcement. Yes. Um, so, you know, I realized on the show, I don't really talk a lot about my, my profession. As a uh, hardware, you know, fastener specialist. Well, um, our our friend Junkie Turdman at Creative Writing Podcast. Yes. He called me up and said, hey, I want to talk about fasteners. So on Mm. his uh, podcast, the episode is It's a Hardware Life. um, I droned (laughs) on and on and talked all about fasteners. 
for the five people that find that fascinating, you're, about you're my people. <laughs> so go on over to Creative Writing and check out uh, Junkie's podcast. Would you cool. say, Liza, cool. that the way you elocute, uh, you know, the electrocute? electrocuted yourself, would you say it was a fine pitch or was it quite coarse? Uh, ah. <laughs> um, hey, got some emails to read real quick. Um, and I'm going to start with a good one. Uh, this one comes from Patty, our friend Patty from New Jersey. And the Hello, cap, the, the, the title is Shut Up Liza! Exclamation point. Oh, I like, I like. <laughs> well, this, she is from Jersey, isn't yeah. she? Uh, he, yep. Yeah, Pat, Patty with a D. Oh, uh, I, I like this. Patty. Oh. oh, sure it is says, now. So he says, I like this already. I'm here. You, like, you want to read it? Yeah, I love it. Here, you can read it. Anything that says Shut Up Liza. Okay. Liza, I respect your opinions, but shit the fuck up. I have always been SV curious and just bought one for my track bike. I can't do Ooh. too many mods since it has to be quieter for noise restrictions on some tracks. Yeah, that's legit. Now I want a Street 650S set up the same way. If prices jump up, not that they are not crazy already, because you put the word out, yeah. I won't be able to afford it. Aww. And Mikey many times, he's so jelly. <laughs> I've decided that I am working up to one of Cat's trips, hence the oh. track days and a myriad of instructions I'm getting this year. See some of you dingles at Vintage Days. Paddy from New Jersey. And then I responded. Nice. Dem dares fighting words. Ha ha! And then he responded. <laughs> Vintage Days. Ten yard slow race, noon, by the monkey's bar. Word. <laughs> hey, if I go there, Patty, I want to be on that slow on. race. The gauntlet has been on. the gauntlet's been thrown down, Paddy. Paddy, uh, I, I just want to say really quick, in, in defense of Liza, the 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 SV has not really been a well kept secret for a long time. So I, I don't, I wouldn't blame Liza for price increases. I would blame the ridiculous market one, but also the fact that just about yeah. every rider out there knows the SV is good bang for the buck. Yes, yeah. but the but the older ones I think are are still worth investing in. Agreed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Agreed. that's my yeah. point. Oh yeah, I mean, there's a charm to the Gen One SVs mm -hmm. that you know they ride like nothing else. There's yeah. just this this visceral mm -hmm. power band it's to them. It's still very much a machine. When oh god, yeah. All right, uh, I have one here from Ethan. Uh, Ethan from Portland. Hello, Ethan uh, your from show, Portland. Your show last week touched on something that, ha that has been weighing on my mind. What to do with a non-running project? Fix it or scrap it? In the equation, motorcycles mm. in my possession equal D minus one. I am currently mm. at D, divorce. <laughs> oh. Uh, so, you, yeah, remember, what's yeah, the right yeah. amount of motorcycles? D minus one. Yes. Yeah. Unless you reach T and then it's N plus one. And then it's N plus one. He says, <laughs> I have four bikes I cannot part with. A Mint Trail 90. It's got a... A Honda Elite it green 80, with a hole in it? A 1971 CB175 and my beloved KTM 300 XCW. Fine bikes all. The bike that is throwing my marriage into question is... Oh, and I like this one. A 1970 CB450. Okay. I've rebuilt Ooh. the engine twice, put on new tires, air filter chain, got it to tip-top shape, have plenty of spare parts, including two spare non-running engines, but the motor seized on me for the second time at the Ooh. end of last summer. 
Now I am discouraged. I'm looking for advice on what to do. I don't really want to scrap it. Do I attempt one last fix to get it running before I sell, or do I sell this as a package to someone else? How do you forget about the countless hours spent on a project and move on? Write it. Yeah. No, you put it down to experience. Um, You know, I've been discouraged with bikes, but, you know, you just power through. It's there's no magic wand with bikes. If he has rebuilt the engine twice and twice it's seized, there's something in the method he's doing. Disagree. Twice is a coincidence. Three times is a pattern. Well, maybe. <laughs> I Can think I suggest? I think he's doing something wrong. Do Do we know where the engine seized? Was it the crank or the? No, it's head? always at the top, and I'll tell you why. The CB450, it's got roller roller bearing bottom end, so it doesn't need any oil pressure for the bottom end. Mm. And the pistons are splash feed. The only thing that really needs oil pressure is the cam, which is where they always seize if they've got no oil pressure. So he's either got an oil pump problem or what people do with these bikes, they don't understand how the centrifugal oil filter goes. And on the end of the crank, there's like a cup. It's like a cup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know what you're yeah. talking about. And in the middle of the cup, there's a hole Looks with an M. Like with a dryer. Yes. Yeah. There's a there's a hole with an M6 thread in it. You think, mm-hmm. ooh, that needs a screw in it. But it doesn't because that's how you pull the end mm-hmm. of the cap off. If you put a screw oh. in there, it'll seize the top end. Oh. Ooh. Um, can I make a suggestion? Yes. Uh, I know for sure how to be successful with this. Rebuild the engine one more time and then never ride the bike again. <laughs> oh, it's like Schrodinger's Whoa. bike. It's perfect. It's like yeah. it's, exactly. It's a showroom exactly. bike. It's both in a state of complete and total failure and yes. and total functionality at the same there time. You it's go. fantastic. Or it could you be like Pav's, Pavlov's dog. You could have a bell, and you ring the bell, and the bike seizes. So ding, <laughs> oops. Well, well, the question I have is, is: Does this bike have oil passages going up to the head that could be clogged? Perhaps. Yeah. Right, because if that if that's something, if he's rebuilt the engine yes. and it seized again the same way, that sounds to me like that's the most likely culprit. Because if those passages got seized from previous debris from a seizure or exactly. or, or other problem, that's going to just Ooh. keep doing this until you yeah. fix it. I- I don't know if this is possible. Right. I know on my CB750, there was a, not by me, there was a uh, gasket put on backwards that was blocking Whoa. one of the lines. Right. Oh, so it lines oh. up with the cylinders. Yeah. So, Ethan, yeah. there's plenty for you to investigate. I think the point we're making is giving up on a bike, especially one that you've invested a lot of time and money into, is never an easy decision to make. And it's very, very easy for me to say, oh, never give up on it. Because even after all these years, I still love wrenching on bikes. And I'm pretty good at it. You know, if you struggle a little bit and perhaps you feel you're not as skilled, it might you might not get the same pleasure out of working on bikes as I do. But giving up a bike, it's, you know, it's like giving up on a person. And I don't think we'd ever want to do that. There is a third option. Which is? Have somebody else rebuild the motor. That way you're not feeling responsible for it. Like, you know, there's 
Yeah, you're paying for it, obviously, but at least then there's some kind of... I, yeah. I have option 3.5. Awesome. And I have been there uh, with my CB750 that had two engine rebuilds and needed a third. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm done. I'm out of emotional <laughs> steam with it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, have a buddy come join you. Make it have, have a have a friend come over and Seconds. turn it into a thing. Second set of eyes. You need that emotional steam, so turn it into well, a, a fun project. I mean, I remember meeting Ethan when we were up in Portland. I mean, I'm not sure if he's part of the CC Coffee crowd. I mm-hmm. think he certainly knows them peripherally. There is no shortage of old bike enthusiasts yeah, in Portland, and oh, yeah. so it shouldn't be hard to find a second set of eyes. Just to look through. And remember, it, you, you're you not rebuilding a whole engine because your whole engine isn't toast. You've just got to figure out why is this thing not pumping oil well, up to the top end. But Emma, like you said earlier, take it apart. Go through everything. Do it with a friend. Have it all set out. <laughs> but you got to build up that steam. Right. So turn it and into un- a Yeah, and fun. understand how the oil moves through the engine and why yeah. it failed. Because yeah. it strikes me that... There's there's some there's some missing piece of understanding of how the oil circulates through the engine that Ethan's missing yeah. that's causing him to repeat because you know yes the 450 is quite a complex fragile engine but it should still hold itself together for about ten twelve fifteen thousand well, miles per- at least perform the oh, autopsy yes first yep. step perform the autopsy. and work backwards yeah so this yep. is what happened. Yeah. We've got a seize camshaft. So now work backwards all the way to the oil pump. Yep. All right. All right, Scott, you, do you have one there to read? I do. <clears throat> just on that last one, just one yeah. final comment. Getting the thing fixed, even if you decide to move it on afterwards, could be a real satisfying life experience. With my SD1300, yep. I did two alternators in the thing, and then I had a little cool leak afterward that I had the dealer help me with because I was just tired of looking at it. But... It was fix it or, you know, worth something or it's just garbage, right? And it's scrap. So that was how I moved on from the ST. All right. right, Back in SV land. Big uh, SV theme. Um, I've got a couple experiences with these things. Uh, One out in uh, Deals Gap area. That was a lot of fun. And then a friend's bike that I fostered, too. So I'm kind of familiar with these. So this is from Joe Moore. SV650 and Unfulfilled Expectations. Oh, Oh, dear. Yeah. So, <clears throat> Joe as a, says... As opposed to unfulfilled expectations or filled underpants. I was going to say, that's that's better well, than... Well, he doesn't say anything about the underpants here, but it's No, but we talked about an underpant filling well, moment hey, earlier. Don't forget, unfulfilled I, underpants is good. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I have kind of a related comment. The SV650 I fostered tended to put my nuts to sleep, but that doesn't have anything to do with this. Problem. Oh, I like that's, the idea okay. of unfulfilled underpants. That's, so Joe that's, says... That's unfulfilled rubber underpants. Yeah, might be that, he right? says, hey folks, started listening this year and glad I found the podcast. I've been writing for a couple years at this point and have been absorbing all the information uh, and skill I can. Started on a 2017 CBR500R and rode until an oncoming driver in some twisties decided they wanted more of my lane than I had. Bastard. Yeah. So once I healed up, he says in parentheses, only got a six-inch gash on my uh, lower leg. I found a third-gen SV650 for the cheap price of 5K. Well-maintained, only 2K miles after a few months. Wow. Uh, let's see, I started looking for 
I entered the infamous SV650 aftermarket and found not much, to be honest. Hmm. There are plenty of mods for track duty, up to and including the Hot Bodies race fairing kit and thousands of dollars worth of suspension bits. This being my second Hmm. bike, I'm not in a position or availability to track this thing. So far, I'm... Treating it as you didn't tr- bring your glasses, did you? I didn't. You can tell. You can tell. I'm playing trombone. <laughs> do you, do you need Emma to help you with that? You well, it? I think we can do it as a right. team effort. Here. No, I, th- I think okay. we can, darling. Where, so, where, where are you so up far, to? I'm treating it as a transitional product. There you go. Swapped the Three. pegs and levers, added a top box, and well, it's more a half-assed V-strum now. Yeah. Well, the histori- <laughs> SV historically is a magnificent starting point. The third gen definitely doesn't live up to the aftermarket hype unless you're going whole mm. hog on it. Mm. Keep up the great work. I'll continue trying to love my SV Strum. So, uh, well, mm. no, SV Strum. And I mean, that's quite, that's quite a valid point. As good as SVs are, I would say that the Gen 3 is actually a far more sanitary product than the one or the two. I mean, mm. it's... it's Oh, God, I'm going to stick my neck out here. It's a better bike because it's a developed bike. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't necessarily mean you get that raw feeling that you do with with the one. And to a lesser extent, the two. It's like a first edition book. Mm -hmm. And, you know, from a collector's standpoint, we always go for the first edition because even though they tend to be flawed motorcycles... And some of the carburation on those Gen 1 SVs is like, God blimey, what were they thinking? (laughs) But if you get it right, they're absolutely glorious. Um, But, you know, remember, the Gen 3 has to comply with Euro 3, Euro 4, and all DOT laws, which are getting far more stringent than they were back in the late 90s when the Gen 1 came out. So it has to be a little less power. It has to be... And so on and so forth. But they are a fine machine. And I wouldn't have any hesitation to put someone on one. Or a Gladius. If a Gladius is a great bike, and I will say that on record, there is nothing wrong with a Gladius at all. The styling is polarizing. (laughs) But if you get rid of the headlight, they're actually not half bad. I know the plastic cladding on the side of the fairing's hokey, but if you put a conventional headlight on a Gladius, it's it's a good-looking bike. I'll tell you, I found the solution to the Gladius, and that's what you do is you take the Gladius, you take the the the, the fuel cap off and replace everything underneath it with an SV650. <laughs> <laughs> I like the SV650. The one I had was probably a first-gen back, back east. Um, yeah, I mean, that thing would really eat a lot of gas, and it did not carburate especially smooth. But my buddies that I fostered and then sold for him, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, and I have a question: Is is the issue with uh, aftermarket parts because of the 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 difference in the, the, the different generations? Yeah, I mean, you know, okay. inevitably, if if you're going to sell aftermarket parts, you always go for a bike that you're going to sell more parts of. Yeah, it depends how many mm-hmm. units are out right. There. Many units right. are out there, and the Gen One SV was just so stupidly popular. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so easy to get aftermarket right. parts because there was a gazillion of them out there. The Gen 2, not so much, but still quite a popular bike. 
By the time the Gen 3 came along, it's really just mm. insiders who were buying the things. But yeah, think about the market for a Gen 3. By the time the Gen 3 hit showroom floors, for that kind of money, you could have bought a more traditional yeah. sport bike from a couple of years prior in the used market. And so for those that were looking for power, for cool guy, whatever, you know, they were they were buying a GSXR. They were buying right. anything but a Gen 3. And so the the market is shrinking with each generation because those that love the bike already have a gen one or two. And those that are going to spend that kind of money are going to want more sure. bike for their money. It was, it was funny. You know, I remember back at, back at Monterey Peninsula, the, the SVs, the gen threes kind of stuck in the showroom a little bit. Mm. And when they were bought, <clears throat> they were always bought by people who kind of knew mm. it was kind of an insider's bike. But they always kind of hung around yeah. because as pretty as they are, if you've got an SV sitting in a lineup of ZX6s or R6s or Jixas, you know, she's kind of like the ugly duckling a little bit. Sell it and get a Bandit 1200. No, that's a bike. There you go. That'll wake you up. All right. Patrick, you got one? Yes, I do. This is uh, this is Matthew coming from the the main woods. Uh, what's up, Misfits? Hey. Matthew, surely you mean Matthew. 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 Yeah, Matthew. We're getting very French over here. <laughs> so what's up, Misfits? Matt coming here at you from the main woods on last week's show. Someone Zach yes was asking about good roads to ride in Western Massachusetts. Yep. So oh, yeah. Matthew's recommending to check out New England Riders at www.newenglandriders.org. Yeah, thank you for that tip. Yeah, and cool. I did forward just that to Zach. Just the tip. Ah. Just the tip. All right. Well, you know, a little bit of tip here. I, I think we have time for one more email, and we're going to go to our the best email reader of all time, Bagel. Bagel. Yes. What you got there, Bagel? <clears throat> I have an e an email here from uh, Jason Mercier. Hey, Jason. And uh, uh, Jason writes, uh, "Hey, misfits." Jason writing from King, Ontario, Canada again. Yeah, sure. You guys and gals. You, e? you guys and gals are still the, the bright spot in my pod, in, in my list of podcasts while I listen to that I listen to while at work. My the mix of knowledge, humor, and general shenanigans always keeps me interested. Thanks to all the times you mentioned the Cleveland Moto podcast, I've even started listening to them. Hey. Who? But for the record. But for the record, Motorcycles and Misfits is still way better. <laughs> I currently ride a 2015 Kawasaki Vulcan 900 Ooh, Custom, that's a good bike. which I love. I know it's a cruiser, but I need your opinion. My neighbor picked up a late 80s, maybe early 90s Honda Interceptor last year mm. with the intent of getting into riding. He had mentioned knowing it needs a carb rebuild, but mm. hasn't had the time to even mm. start doing anything to it. Yesterday, he said in passing that he is likely going to sell the bike due to lack of time. So, in your opinion, do I want it? Yes. It looks good on the surface, no. but at this point, I don't know exactly what it needs. I do want it. Your ass in its seat. If, 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 I, if I do want it, what would you say it's worth, and where would you draw the line for any work it may need? Thanks, uh, Jason. Uh, do it mm. that, well, that is so much there's so much that's not there late 80s early 90s <sighs> so the interceptor is arguably the finest bike that honda ever made and 
that period from late 80s to very early 90s really should be the best really should be the best these were absolutely the glory years for there the were VFRs. big advances in the power big the advances in the power what you're going to end up with is a 120 125 horsepower bike that's got proper size wheels proper size rubber proper size brakes it will ride you know i always wax lyrical about how well rufus rides you know, the only argument against some of these bikes from that area is they are a bit porky. They're all about 50 to 100 pounds overweight. But as long as you know what you're doing in the curve. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, you can you can compensate for that. But they basically, as an antique piece, as a 30-year-old piece, they ride very, very well. And Rufus and a VFR are very, very similar riding bikes. They're similar amount of power, similar getting down the road so it's a glorious bike however but it's a carbureted bike and there is no worse bike to do the carbs on than a v4 honda there's a lot of carburation in a very very small amount of real estate the heat generation in that v is tremendous so all the rubber parts in your carbs are going to be cooked, including the O-rings that go on the balance pipes between them. There is nothing more disheartening than building a set of carbs and having all the bridge pipes leak on you because the O-rings are cooked. All the yeah. intake rubbers are going to be cooked. Um, and hard as wood, right? Yeah, and getting them off, yeah. it's... Ugh. But, so I haven't got the answer for him. I- I have the answer. I personally avoid bikes of that age, sport bikes of that age. I like the, if you go a few years older when they're open, you can get access to everything. That's a bike you can wrench on, have fun. It's an antique bike. You're not going to ride any distance on it. You get on a bike like that, that's a performance bike that no longer performs to the standards of a 20-year-old CBR, you know? And but it's going to require so much work, and everything is so tight and compact. So, so let me let me give it's the a, over. It's and a under. hard to work on. Absolutely, let me give the over and under on this. That bike is so goddamn sexy in the red, white, and blue livery that that would be enough for me to make the decision. But right. if it's in any other livery or color, fuck it, walk away. Right, that is a bike that there. Whoever buys that bike is somebody who has two other interceptors in their garage. For real, right. for real. Mm. They're, but they're so glorious right, when they're running well. But you well. need to be familiar with them. You need to right. you have it because you love it and you're going to wrench on it. That is not a bike for somebody to have to have a sport bike they're going to try out. Yeah. It's, so so yeah. for for someone who's looking to 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 go on a, a learning curve that might be a good a good one to Well, I mean it all, it all boils down to price curve. and it all boils down to how yeah. much money and time you're willing to invest. If you want to learn about what the Japanese were doing with sport bikes in the late 80s, early 90s, it's a great place to start. That's a bit of a niche quest. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the point is, be prepared. You're going to throw time at it. You're going to throw money at it. And you're going to throw frustration at it. Um, you know, there are easier bikes to dip your toe into that, those waters with. But there are very few that are better. I, I would like to, in closing, say I think it would be a big mistake 
See what I did there? Yes. I brought it full circle. <laughs> and this is a mistake that many of us have learned. I've just learned on bikes of that age. It's incredibly hard to work on, but they're going to require all that work. Yes. So if you're looking if you're looking for a sport bike, why don't you get an SV650 Gen 1? Hey, I brought that back around too. Um, I see what hmm. you did there. Yeah. No, I, I think I, I avoid, and I love GPZs. I'm avoiding, I, I wouldn't sure, buy a GPZ. Surely, Eliza, you mean GPZs. Yes, exactly. There you go. So there you go. I hope we answered that. Um, thank you, everyone, for sending us your emails. And you know what I'm going to say. I'm going to say, hey, send us your emails and let us know what mistakes you guys have made. Your, if your biggest mistake is listening to this podcast... <laughs> Lucky you need you. to reevaluate you. your life. <laughs> and, and, and I would like to clarify. Or you kill when I say you guys, that is the California version. I can also say you dudes, which means all genders. Well, dudes. <laughs> it's all y'all. Uh, dude, yeah. No, dude is isn't. It isn't even gender. I mean, I yeah. call my toaster dude. Yeah, it's For those it's of like you. everything is dude. <laughs> so in Texas, it's y'all. And in Jersey, it's use guys. Use okay. guys. Use guys. Well, if you go in Boston, it's use guyses. Use guises? And if you're in Western Pennsylvania, it's yins. Yins, yes, exactly. So, uh, <laughs> yins, uh, send us your emails and let us know about mistakes you've made and lessons you have learned. Let's pass that on. Because the reality is we all, we all make these mistakes. We just try and pass on our knowledge and keep people from making them. Yet, yep. It never seems to work, and I bet you he'll get that interceptor. Well, you know, people are always going to make mistakes, mm -hmm. but but when we, it's we part spread of the this process. knowledge, we we can at least hopefully save a few people from making a few mistakes. It's part of the process. So, yeah. um, also next weekend, some of us are going to be who's going to the races. That's two weeks away. We oh, shoot, already went shoot, over this. Two weeks. Sorry. Two weeks. Next, Next week weekend is Independence Week. It's Independence Day. <laughs> weekend after that is the races. So hang on. When when do you want me to run the garage? Next weekend. You're running garage. Next weekend I'm running the yes. garage. So the following weekend I can go the to races. the races. I'm going on we're going on Saturday. Are you gonna go Sunday too? I might. Okay. The back entrance is like a hundred yards from her house. <laughs> I know. For goodness sake. Ooh, it's going to be nice. so much fun. So, hey, uh, hope, hopefully you're coming out to Moto America. Oui. Let us know if you are. Um, I'm not. You know, uh, I saw a heads up that uh, at least Yamaha is going to be there with test ride bikes. Ooh, so, it's an opportunity to come try the Tenere 700. Can I try the Nikon? It, no, they didn't bring it. Uh, but the Tenere 700, I enjoyed it. But also, I was able to rule it out as not a bike for me. Yeah, I've ridden a couple, yeah. and as as good a bike as it is, you know, I just I don't see myself buying an adventure bike anytime soon. No, no. Well, how about uh, let's let's end this thing, and you can go on your adventure back home. Tra la la. Yeah. Thank you, everybody, for sticking with us. Uh, especially thank you to our Patreon subscribers. Who are easily the finest people in humanity. I'm going to be making... And Brad. And Brad. And I'm going to be making another announcement soon. I'm going to be spending some more Patreon money. Uh, I spent some of it today, but I'm not ready to make the She's talking yet. big bucks now. She's taking me to the strip club. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but again, thanks to all of our listeners. We appreciate it. This is why we do it. No, we do it because we just love the sound of our own voices, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just like to hear myself talk. 
No, and thanks to the stunt misfits. Yeah, thank you to the stunt misfits for filling in. Hopefully, John will quit crapping his pants and come next weekend and, and tell us his story. <laughs> That's why we call him Hotshot. Fully fulfilled trousers. Fully fulfilled trousers. Yes, he's the fully fulfilled underpants. Oh, poor John. All right, thanks, everyone. This is Liza. This is Patrick. Emma, darling. Scott. And Michael. Bagel. And we are out of here. Cool. 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 cool.